1: Good y'all, and welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzee Weber. Schwebzee, how you doing this week, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm not good. Not good? Oh, well, I mean, we well, know why. You, You're a Mets fan.
2: You, you could say I'm bad, even. You could say I'm doing poorly. Um, yeah, Edwin Diaz is is, is done forever, and... Uh, brandon nimmo is brandon nimmo slid into second base and hurt his knee and or ankle and jose quintana had like something with his rib that was really bad and he's out for three months
1: he had a benign mass on his ribs but he needs a bone graft or needed a bone graft and is going to be out yeah for a few months now so
2: Yeah, just wrap Justin Verlander and Kodai Senga in bubble wrap, please, because all of the Mets signings are going down, and I don't like it.
1: Yeah, it is It is not necessarily a super fun time to be a Mets fan. Uh, surrounding all this injury stuff, obviously, with Edwin Diaz going down, celebrating after Puerto Rico's win uh, against the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic,
3: there's been, there's been a lot of discourse uh, on the on the Bird app, uh, that is uh, a little bit, uh, uh, Myopic. USA, yeah, a little bit like USA
1: centric and like thinking that we're the center of the universe, um, regarding just like players playing and what some people feel to be meaningless games and people getting upset. Cause now they're going to be injured for the MLB season. Obviously I'm talking about like Edwin Diaz's injury, but just like the idea that Uh, so many people find, and it's it's almost always people that are from the United States that think that these games are meaningless. When you ask literally anyone else and every other person that's actually participating in the WBC, they're all super amped and excited to be representing their countries.
2: Imagine having the audacity, nay the caucacity, to hear like Francisco Lindor say, "This is as important as the World Series" to some of us. And then you, not a baseball player, not not a professional baseball player, to respond. This game is meaningless.
1: Correct. And like also like the fact that they, because that's the thing too, is like a lot of these players struggled to get insurance so they could play in the World Baseball Classic. That was a huge reason why a lot of people like for the U.S. team decided not to play.
2: Well, as an owner, Stan, I love the owners. Everyone who knows me knows I love the owners. Get out, he said sarcastically. But. You know, so psyched to hear that Stevie Cohen is getting his money back for Edwin Diaz's injury. God. If anyone needs another $20 million, it's him.
1: Yeah, if anything. I was going to say, before, what did you say? You started off by saying you, you were doing poorly. I was going to make a joke by saying, but as a Mets fan, you have the richest owner in the league, so there's no way you can be doing poorly. You can be doing badly. but <laughs> Money um,
2: can't buy happiness, but it can buy a bunch of free agents who will then get hurt.
1: This is true. Which is technically the opposite of happiness, yeah, I suppose, yeah, it's in this buy, case. It,
2: it is currently buying me sadness.
1: <laughs> it, can, it can buy you pain in this yeah. particular case. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's been uh, some less than stellar discourse on the bird app. Luckily, most of the folks that are involved in this discourse I do not follow or have blocked. So I don't see it that much of it, aside from when folks get dunked on. Uh, but I don't know, man. It's just... I. I think the world baseball classic has been incredibly cool and you can tell how amped everyone is to be there. We it's... were
2: watching, we were watching Puerto Rico versus Mexico before, and it was a blast and you could tell that the players were all so invested.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean like Randy Rosarina making excellent plays in left field, hitting the ball super well. Uh, I got to see Luis Arias have a nice little RBI hit fisted a couple uh, balls into right field. Yeah, he did. Yes. Um, just, uh, it, it You can tell that for them, the stakes are so much higher and this is going to be, this is going to be the best baseball we see until the world series. And honestly, I, in a lot of cases, I,
3: I would never be as invested in the world series as I am in the WBC right now. Well, that's only because the Brewers would never be there. That'll be this week's In the Deep.
1: <laughs> Thank you all for
2: joining us. It's dance. okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Mets I'm gonna... fan, so the, the comebacks write themselves, and I don't want to hear them, so we're going to move on. Uh, yes,
1: all right, so <laughs> anyways, uh, this is supposed to be an episode about corner infielders in deep leagues. Uh, so we're gonna Right, talk about, right, right. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, post-300 corner infielders to target. We both have a couple of favorites that we chose here. Uh, Schwibzy, do you want to start us off here this week? Yeah.
2: Uh, and if you're a longtime listener, you have absolutely heard me talk about Brandon Belt before, like, oh look, I'm going to talk about Brandon Belt. And the sky is blue and water's wet. Yeah. Uh, by my count, uh, we we have a uh, we have a OneNote where we keep all of our notes for all of the history of uh, in the deep. By my count, this is the 17th dip- different episode where Brandon Belt at least appears in the notes.
1: That's absurd.
2: 17 out of seven. This is episode 73. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So what what are, what what is Brandon Belt hitting on in the deep? Quick math for uh, me, Schwabzi. Is it's like some like twenty percent, a little shade under eighteen uh, percent, something like that.
2: I don't math. Don't make me math. Like twenty-seven. In, in real percent, time. Two.
1: He's hitting like two seventy. I think would be about where we're oh at. Oh
2: my god. Yeah. Clearly, I'm good at math. That's why. That's why you did weighted earn strikes and we're a, 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 a an award nominee, and I do nothing ever. But anyway, Brandon Belt
1: twenty-three point two eight
2: all right all right there you go price is right rose i win you went over that's um, true <laughs> so yeah we talk about him a lot i wasn't really sure who to talk about this week so i we're just gonna play the hits and do
1: do what i know and that is anyway about here's wonderwall brandon belt to the anyway here's wonderwall this is my good riddance time of your life or maybe it's like uh, the anyway here's closing time <laughs> of our podcast i think is what he would be uh. But yeah,
2: I, at this point, I can pretty much give the uh, Brandon Belt elevator pitch in my sleep. He, he hits the ball hard. He walks a good amount. He doesn't swing and miss a lot, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last year, he was really, really bad. And what we need to answer regarding Belt going forward are what happened to him. Why was he so bad last year? And what has changed this year to you know suddenly make him palatable again? Because if you listen to me last year and... But on Brandon Belt, uh, you, you weren't happy. I wasn't happy. So what happened? Was it skill erosion? Like, there was some. There was some skill erosion, but not so much that I'm alarmed about it. Like, a funny thing about Belt is that one of the things that was so exciting about him heading into 2021 was his combination of hitting the ball really hard and making a lot of contact in the zone. And then in his career year in 2021, when he hit like what I think it was like 29 home runs and 300 plate appearances, something stupid like that, um, he put up a, a career low contact rate and in general was just more aggressive than he had ever been or had been since early in his career. I, and, you know, there's nothing that I love more as an analyst when there's a thing that I look at to identify sleepers and then a hitter does the complete opposite thing and breaks out. Baseball is stupid and we love it. So in 2022, he popped the ball up more than ever, he didn't really pull the ball as much, he barreled the ball less, he was clearly a worse hitter in 22 than 2021, but because of his physical issues, I'm not sure that we can just write this off as Belt getting worse. Ryan Bloomfield posted a Bloomboard earlier this offseason showing that Belt was a major underperformer when comparing his barrel rate and his home run to fly ball ratio. Usually lots of barrels will lead to lots of home runs, but that's not really the case for Belt in 2022. And there was a reason for that. He had some physical erosion that kind of uh, overshadowed his entire year. And oddly, this is the thing that makes me the most optimistic about him this year. Like, he was very, very hampered last year. This is a direct quote from him. We couldn't get the swelling to go down. We did everything imaginable. We drained it multiple times. Talking about his knee, just to be clear, we did pretty much everything you.
1: (laughs) Oh wow! Okay, continue. Sorry. Uh,
2: We did everything. We did pretty much everything that you could do outside of surgery, and the swelling would go down for a day or two, and then it would come right back. I felt no strength in my knee. Again, his knee, to be clear, even if I wanted to and swung as hard as I could. I couldn't hit the ball out of the ballpark. And, well, he said he tried everything outside of surgery, and then in September it got too much to bear, and he couldn't take it anymore. He got the surgery done and fixed his knee. He says that right now is the best that he's felt in a couple of years, which is really encouraging. And I know injuries in and of themselves are not what you would call an encouraging thing, but it's nice to hear an athlete like openly discuss how his injury hampered him, what sorts of effects it had on him and talk about the fix and how he's feeling now. There's no like mystery injury here where, you know, like a Rendon where we're guessing and and just kind of hoping he bounces back because of past history. We know there was an issue and we know that it got surgically fixed. Uh, The only guesswork that we have left here is like, will his body continue to break down? Will it be his back this time? Like who knows? Can he hold up for 400 plate appearances is our question now. And we really want him to hold up for 400 plate appearances. 400 plus, ideally. 500. Can we go for six? Uh, Can I get seven? No. Sorry, no. Sorry. God, so greedy. Always. So that brings me to this year and the difference in situation between his ballpark and lineup in San Francisco compared to now when he is in the vaunted Blue Jays lineup in the Rogers Center. And I don't know about you guys, but I have heard a million times about how Belt is underrated. His ballpark is killing him, blah, blah, blah. Other than that brief, wonderful time where we, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, during COVID times at Oracle, they opened up some gates in right field and it helped the air flow. And suddenly, like, the ball was flying out to right field. Other than that really brief time, Belt's home park has mostly been a hindrance to him more than a help. Over the last three years, Oracle Park has been the fifth worst home run park for lefties. What people might not realize, and this is, this is something that I absolutely did not realize, is that the Rogers Center is actually the sixth worst ballpark for lefty home runs over the same time frame. It's got a reputation as a launching pad, but if you think about it for a second, pretty much all of Toronto's sluggers over the last four or five years have been righties. Like, the last good lefty bat they had was Rowdy Tellez, who... Could barely get on the field for them and didn't really get a chance to uh, capitalize on on well I guess he wouldn't have been capitalizing he didn't get a chance to get hindered by that uh, right field fence and that brings me to this year's dimension changes at the Rogers Center the Jays have moved the right center field fence in a whole 16 feet and that's great news for their new lefty acquisitions Dalton varsho and Brandon Belt they're raising the fence height pretty much across the board. But I honestly I think moving the fence in 16 feet is going to have much more impact than raising the wall a few feet, uh, you know, around the field. At the uh, at the end of the day, this is a gamble on the health of a dude who is more often than not broken. My hope is that DHing is going to leave him healthier than he was before. He's going to be behind Vlad Guerrero Jr., so he should not play that much first base. A uh, friend of the podcast and star of episode 69, Yancey Eaton, suggested to us that he may just be a strong side platoon guy and kind of give us a Canadian version of Jock Peterson, which is actually a fun comparison because Jock Peterson was so much better than I realized last year. If you're in the 300s and ADP wise, and you want someone who's going to just accumulate plate appearances, get you some mediocre stats, then you can target someone like Wilmer Flores, Brandon Belt's former teammate. But if you want huge upside at this point in the draft, it's few and far between, but it does exist here in, in the deep favorite, Brandon Belt.
1: He's such a good boy. We love him. Love, love Brandon Belt. Yeah. I mean, you could see, so I think we've actually unintentionally identified, well, at least I have, obviously we haven't talked about everyone yet, but I think I've unintentionally identified a theme for this episode. Outside of your second deep dive that you're going to do, I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, but um, both of the guys that I'm going to talk about are guys that they were not great last year and they're both going to be um, positive regression candidates mostly because they have had a chance to get healthy and recover from nagging, like recurring injuries. Uh, It's the bounce back episode? Yes, it, it is quite literally the bounce back episode. Like I was looking at a lot of these deep, like, corner infielders, and none of them were really that exciting to me when I was looking at everything on the surface. Um, I will say just in general, like, corner infield, infielders late, like, first base is pretty deep, I would say. Like, there's a decent amount of first base, and you can get, like, through, like, pick 200, 250, and then it kind of, like, dries up. Third base, as we all know, is, like, incredibly shallow when it comes to fantasy value, um, so there's not always a ton there. That said, um, like, some of these posts... 300 guys a lot of it is like if they're healthy for a full season i feel like some of them like at their adp not saying that they're going to be like superstars or anything like that but at their adp are going to provide like a decent amount of value and i think that obviously like belt like you said is one of those people uh i think that that right center field alley i think that you're pretty spot on with them moving the fence in as far as they are it's going to help out a lot um oracle is just so so bad for lefties man I mean, we talked about this with, like, both Belp then also uh, Lamont Wade Jr., who I almost wrote up for this episode, because uh, <laughs> I decided that I didn't just want to keep playing the hits, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, lefties do struggle quite a bit, uh, aside from the one season where they had, what was it, that the, the doors open in right field? Yeah.
2: The, yeah. The, the only good things to come of COVID were work from home and the power alley in right field in a, in Oracle
1: Park. Exactly um but yeah, so i I do like belt uh what is his adp exactly off the top of your head? do you know
2: uh nope, but I can look it is three sixty one
1: three sixty one like yeah. he's going
2: he's going in between Wilmer Flores and Matt Mervis, one of whom isn't going to play, and the other of whom is just kind of boring it's like i said i If you want stability, you can go for someone like Flores in this range, but I mean, honestly, in like the 300 to 400 range, I think the two guys that I picked today are the only two that have like really significant upside, but we'll, we'll get to that second guy in a little bit.
1: Perfect. All right. And I'm going to kick off my first deep dive right after this ad break.
0: When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But the problem is, managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow That's noom.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, and we are back. So, for my first deep dive, I want to dive in on Jared Walsh. So, Walsh is going at ADP 331 over the past month on NFBC for 15 teamers. He was, as recently as 2021, an all star first baseman for the Angels. He hit 29 home runs that year and drove in 98 runs. Uh, I can't remember what his ADP was uh, in draft season last year, but his star quickly faded when he only hit 15 home runs and saw his batting average and walk rates drop precipitously. It's pretty disappointing. There's a lot of people I know that were pretty hyped on Jared Walsh as a power-hitting lefty that you get for a decent value, and he ended up being kind of a bust. Uh, For those that needed their memory refreshed, like me, uh, Walsh suffered an intercostal injury. In uh, medical terminology, by the way, that's the stuff that holds your ribs together between your ribs. Uh, that injury put him on the IL in mid July. While he wasn't the same player he was in 2021, up to the point of his IL stint, he had been serviceable still at the dish in non OBP leagues because his walk rate did drop, uh, over 332 plate appearances before that IL stint, he was hitting 236 and put up 13 home runs while racking up 74 runs plus RBIs. Really not a bad line, not exceptional by any means, but really not terrible. Um, After coming back from that injury, he never really recovered. He hit, like, a pithy 155 with only two home runs uh, before being shut down with thoracic outlet syndrome, which he had apparently been dealing with since 2019 and just had been playing through that whole time and never got it checked out, or not checked out, but never got it actually, like, fixed. Uh, So pretty crazy because that's going to be pretty painful and pretty debilitating. So the fact that he had been playing three, almost three full seasons with it is pretty crazy, um, including during an all star campaign in 2021. So that's, I mean, more like props to him for doing that. Um, He did speak about the issue with Rhett Bollinger of MLB.com a few weeks ago. Uh, the summary of his difficulties that he had with uh, thoracic outlet syndrome are basically summarized like this so it caused pain and tightness in his neck and his left shoulder, which is his throwing arm. And when he had to make throws from first, it would make the issue worse. And what it was doing for him specifically was causing, obviously, like I said, that pain and tightness in his neck and left shoulder. But also, he had like a tingling and pulsing pain pain sensation in his fingertips on his throwing arm. Uh, You need to be able to feel your hands and feel your fingertips fully to really be a good baseball player. And like it goes, I mean, we usually see this sort of injury in pitchers more often we, we hear it talked about with pitchers more often because obviously like being able to like grip your pitches correctly everything like that you need to have that feeling in your fingertips and be able to like know what you're doing there uh, but it definitely would affect a position player too uh, both on the field and at the plate um, beyond the physical toll that the injury took Walsh also said that dealing with the effects of thoracic outlet syndrome dealt a blow to his confidence Uh, in hitting major league pitching that mental step backwards probably didn't really do much to help him either. When you think about it, like, I I mean, baseball is very much a mental game. If you're trying to like essentially compete at the plate and you're worried about the fact that you can't really feel your fingertips or like you feel a pain in your shoulder, pain in your neck. um, That's going to take away mental capacity and like mental real estate that should be spent on focusing on every single at-bat. So, like, obviously that's going to be a step backwards for him. Um, The other big reason, though, that I'm probably in on Walsh, besides the fact that he's now just really, really healthy, is that he's also been taking reps in right field. Obviously they have, like, Brandon Drury and Gio Urshela who can both technically take reps at first base from Walsh. So the fact that he's been taking more reps in right field, he's played right and left in the past he could slot into a corner outfield spot often enough this season and add positional versatility in your fantasy leagues. That would be a massive, massive boon, particularly if you've got any sort of keeper league or any sort of like keeper setting in your leagues when you're carrying players over from year to year. So like overall, I think that with Walsh, I'm definitely going to be in on him at his 331 ADP this year. And I think we could easily see him, especially since the park factors are so great in Los Angeles. That, I mean, a tw- I think a 20 plus home run season with like 80 plus RBIs isn't completely out of the
3: question. First of all, pithy is a fantastic word. Yeah, I thought Love so it. too. And secondly,
2: I can't, my eyes just completely glazed over Jared Walsh when I was talking about dudes in this range with upside. Cause it's like, I said that immediately before you started talking about Walsh to like lead into your guy with, with basically saying mean things about him, but no, well, I, I do think Walsh is also a fantastic bounce back candidate and he was one of the rare guys before he got hurt multiple times that paired a good batting average with that, you know, 30 ish home run power. So, yeah. you know, that if he does bounce most or all the way back, that's a, that's a, you know, a valuable
1: bat in the 300s
2: i mean and maybe
1: maybe that multiple position eligibility for sure i mean i think about like the angels in general like this is just kind of an a side they might have one of the widest range of outcomes for any offense in the in the league i think their team is like
2: better than people are giving them credit for
1: no 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 their offense is awesome their offense is really, really good, but like you need guys to be able to hit that like 70th, 80th, 90th percentile outcome. Cause you have someone like, I mean, there's injury concerns with Walsh to a certain extent, like Otani's going to be Otani. He's going to do what he does. Like, I'm not really worried about Otani at all, but like Brandon Drury, uh, how is he going to adjust moving to a park that isn't great American ballpark? Is he going to be able to put up the numbers that he used to? Maybe, maybe not. We don't really know. Um, I still like him because I think that especially the uh, park factors in terms of home runs are still very, very good. So I think he, in terms of like fantasy value, he's still going to be solid, but in real life baseball, how's that going to work? Um, also, They're much Trout, better Trout, had his, Trout had his back issues. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily really a concern. You see him running the bases in the WBC and he looks great. I'm not really worried about that personally. Some people are. Um like if things shake out in the best way possible, this could be like one of the best offenses in the league. If people get hurt, if people don't positively regress in the right ways, it could be another underachieving team with two of like the greatest baseball players we have ever seen in our generation.
2: Yeah. I I think what I worry about, what I worry about most with them is their pitching depth because they have, they have precisely zero relievers that I trust in their bullpen.
3: And four starters that i trust yeah wait wait wait, wait, which starters do you trust
2: otani sandoval anderson Demers.
1: oh you do trust anderson i was wondering if you didn't trust anderson No,
2: no i i think he's a better real life pitcher than fantasy pitcher
1: fair okay fair
2: but yeah just from a team success standpoint i like i like anderson but uh when when we're getting him early in our new draft i don't like uh tyler anderson you know that was a shot at me specifically. I would never take a shot at my co-host,
1: especially like you did it like seven times while we I were would streaming. Never, I, I don't No, I'm not like that. Oh, by the way, folks, we do stream. Now we started streaming again, uh, prior to the recording of the episodes, we've been streaming on Twitch on Schwebzy's Twitch channel. So that's a uh, very self-explanatory. That's twitch.tv backslash Schwebzy, uh, Friday nights ish. Uh, just keep an eye out. If you want, you can subscribe to his channel and that way you'll get notifications when we go live for recordings or when Schwebzy's getting embodied and, and there'll be the show when it comes out next week.
2: Oh God. Yeah. I got you uh, back. If I, if I get back into, if I get back into streaming that come, come watch me get absolutely wrecked and I'll just, do the show. Just get absolutely
1: tilted off the face of the earth.
2: Never been till I've never been mad online. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: That's a, that's a bold faced lie.
2: It's a whole, a
1: whole lot of slander going on here. Nothing but slander. Uh, all right, Trubisky, do you want to do your second deep dive here? Yeah, yeah, I, I could be convinced. I could be
2: swayed. Not that I have any like personal stakes here. You he might dabble. or 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 emotions uh, about this player. <laughs> so this this whole rant I'm about to go on is is basically going to be my thesis on why Brett Beatty should get 600 plate appearances this year. I want Brett Beatty to be good so badly, and. I'm trying very hard to not be irrational about him uh, because of, I don't want to do you all at home uh, a disservice by letting my fandom get in the way of my analysis. I think in general, I'm, I'm pretty realistic about his skills and defects. Where, where my homerism comes into play is the hole that will form deep in my soul if Brett Beatty is not the opening day third baseman for the Mets this year. And don't get me wrong, I love Eduardo Escobar. He is an immaculate vibes guy, and his scorching September helped the Mets uh, not collapse even further this year, but he just overall can't touch Beatty's upside at this point in his career. I still feel the same way about Escobar now that I did when the Mets signed him last year, and that is that he's fine. He's going to be like a 105 WRC plus guy, Uh, and he's grown on me as a person. I, I think he's a fantastic guy in the clubhouse but he can be just as good in the clubhouse as a uh, utility guy as he can as the starting third baseman. Uh, And Beatty has the chance to be really something special at the plate. Now, I and we generally avoid talking about prospects a lot with these deep dives because we don't really get to dig into their data as much as we can with players who have major league experience and baseball savant data. But at this point, it's pretty clear what sort of foundation Brett Beatty is working with. After being comfortably above average in AA in 176 plate appearances as a 21-year-old, Beatty repeated the level this past season and basically answered every question that prospect evaluators had about his bat. The questions weren't about whether he could hit the ball, but how much damage he could cause when he did hit it. Brett Beatty's big issue was whether he could elevate the ball and hit for power, and then all he did last year was put up the best WRC Plus among AA players with at least 300 plate appearances, while matching the number of home runs he had hit in his entire minor league career to that point. He had 19 home runs in his minor league career coming into last year, and then he hit another 19 in double-A uh, this past season before hitting a couple more in the majors. Beatty had his, uh, uh, his cup of coffee in 2022. It was only 42 plate appearances, and it, th- those 42 plate appearances kind of did a good job of displaying all the possibilities and all the pitfalls of Brett Beatty in a really short period of time. There was some iffy defense. Uh, There was a well above league average ground ball rate, and there were a couple of huge taters. And it was really sweet of Brett Beatty to give us like the whole sampler platter of what the Brett Beatty experience might be. He got a bit unlucky on his batted balls, which I think is doing us all a really big favor right now, because if some of those balls fell for hits, I I think he would be a lot more expensive than he is right now. In the minors, he maintained basically an 11 plus percent walk rate at every level he was ever at, and he had pretty good strikeout rates the whole time. Never, uh, he topped out at 25.6% after reaching the high minors. This is like a legit, legit bat, and I don't really think Beatty has anything left to prove in the minors. Now, fast forward to this year and spring training, he's not having any of those bad luck issues. He's running a stupid high BABIP and route to a 394 a 394 batting average a 512 obp and a 515 slugging percentage. Now, you'll notice that that slugging percentage is right is basically the same as his obp and that that is only good for a 121 isolated slugging average. Is is it average isolated slugging percent?
1: Uh it's just isolated power.
2: Just isolated power, sure. He's only got a 121 isolated power. That feels so wrong off the tongue. But anyway, uh, 121 is not really what I'm hoping for, for for uh his ISO. He's walking a lot, but his line is completely driven by that stupid high babip. He's got one home run and one double amongst his, I think it's 14 hits. And according to Baseball Reference's spring training opponent quality measure, he's done this against basically double A competition competition which he's already shown that he can demolish. I do worry that we're going to get the classic, he needs to work on his defense excuse while he spends the first like two months of the season in the minors. But if the Mets are serious about winning, they should just do what they did with Pete Alonso a few years ago and just let the kid break camp with the team. His left-handed power potential is something that this team is sorely lacking. They, they just have like, I don't know, Daniel Vogelbach like their best left-handed power is switch hitter Francisco Lindor and then like, yeah, Vogelbach. It's, it's not really an intimidating, uh, lineup as far as left-handed power. The Mets also moved in their uh, right center field wall this year, which along with the new shift rules should only help Beatty. We don't have any major league data really for him, uh, hitting into and not into the shift. So I can't say if that's going to help him too much, but he does hit the ball on the ground a lot, and as a lefty that hits the ball on the ground a lot, in theory, this should be good for him. There's definitely some uncertainty here, because when I've watched Beatty, he did indeed appear like he needed to work on his defense a bit. And, the god, the comparison that won't leave my brain is Alec Bohm, who has a similar skill set to Beatty, with similar warts, and he hasn't really figured out how to translate his tools to production yet. <laughs> really? At the end of the day, I personally need this to work out, both for my mental well-being and because after Cabrian Hayes, I cannot be burned by another third baseman with great exit velos that can't stop hitting the, ground, the ball on the ground. My heart cannot... I, I can't
3: go through it again. I can't do it. But, yeah, you know, to summarize, I think Beatty is... You know, they're, they're, if you look in this
2: 300 to 400 range, basically none of these guys are... Well, there, there is Isaac Parides, but we talked about him last week. Uh, there, there's not a lot of Young upside here. There's Beatty and then maybe Spencer Steer. So if you're in this range and you're looking for someone, you know, Young, maybe a future keeper, someone that you're trying to hope for a big leap from, then Beatty is really the one guy you're betting on in this range.
3: Yeah, I think that
1: Well, one, I hope that you don't have to have your heart get uh, destroyed once again by Brett Beatty. Uh, It's very funny to me that the closest comp that you could come up with was a division rival's third baseman. Uh, Specifically the Phillies, because we know how much you adore the Phillies. It is apt. Yes, it is apt. It's just funny that that was the first one that came to mind. Look, look, I don't like it either. Oh, I know you don't.
2: But like I said, I'm I trying not to, trying not to let my homerism get in the way of my analysis.
4: Doing so well by
3: talking about <laughs> a third baseman for the Mets. <sighs> you know what? I know I'm who you're kidding. about to I'm talk kidding.
1: about.
2: I don't want to hear it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, pot kettle, as they say. Yeah. You know, it's fine. Uh, I will get don't to can my... Don't get me started on Garrett Mitchell. <laughs> Okay, fair. Uh, I will get to my second deep dive right after this ad break.
0: Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices And why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part you decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, and we are back. So going into my last deep dive here, I want to talk about Brian Anderson.
3: Uh, obviously, any excuse to be... A longer, <clears kind throat> like we, sorry, what? <clears throat> Hello? Oh, sorry, sorry. I Involuntary. Is this, th- just is this thing you- on? Because you're also being a Homer, I just I, no,
2: I
1: just had to. I literally interrupt you. I'm have sorry. written in the notes any excuse to be a Homer. I was gonna say that. I know. <laughs> I'm self-aware, Schwabzi. I don't know if you know this, but I'm self-aware. All right. It is. It is
2: really a big problem for both of us, actually. But yeah.
1: I'm All right. Sorry, sorry. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. What's, what's the point of having a podcast if we can't talk about the players we want to talk about, even if it means that we just mostly talk about players from our favorite teams? Uh, That's
2: true. Tune into our catcher episode next week as we talk about only Tomas Nito and Omar Narvaez.
1: What about Patrick Muzika? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where, he's, where he's he not is anymore. He's not a Met anymore, I don't think. Um, no. Anyways, love Patrick Mazzica. Love that. What, what, what was that? Was that like a super short print of him with his shirt off? Yes. That's what I thought. Hashtag the hobby. Anyways. I have
2: baseball cards of Patrick Mazika with the shirt off just for, for reference there.
1: Ooh, woo. Um, <laughs> 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 okay, so for real though, um, Brian, <laughs> Brian Anderson, he's in a good spot to begin the season uh, with Tyrone Taylor not likely being set uh, for the start of opening day. He should be able to hold down that right field spot for the first couple of weeks of the season and that dual eligibility role or dual utility role between third base and outfield uh, should serve him really well in securing playing time on the crew throughout the 2023 season once Taylor does eventually return. Um, Anderson, kind of like I said before, my guys have a theme. The episode kind of has a theme. He's a lot like Jared Walsh in that he dealt with nagging injuries over the past few years. He had two different IL stints for shoulder subluxation in his non-throwing shoulder in 2021, and if that injury sounds familiar and it rings a bell for you, it's the same sort of shoulder instability-slash-injury that Fernando Tatis Jr. suffered from a couple of years back. Um, And... Beyond that, Anderson last year also had a couple of shoulder strains that he dealt with in 2022. So he's finally come into this season healthy and has been hitting the balls well so far in spring training. He's gone 11 for 25 for a uh, 440 average with two home runs. Always really, really encouraging to see that out of a guy who's struggled the past couple of years. Uh, by the way, those 11 hits are, I think, if am not mistaken, lead the Brewers so far in spring training, which is awesome to see. Um... The thing that I really want to key in on with Brian Anderson though is the fact that in terms of a fantasy re- in terms of fantasy relevancy, landing with the Brewers is a solid step up in terms of home run environment where I think we'll see the biggest jump in his value um beyond signing with the Brewers and being in uh, American family field, he also gets a non zero number of games in Great American Small Park, which doesn't hurt either um but if you look at the three year rolling park factors, uh Lone Depot Park, which is the Park in Miami, uh, ranked as the eighth worst park in the league in terms of home runs. Uh, stupid by... name. What's that? Such a stupid name. It really is. It starts with a lowercase. It throws me off so much. It looks like Iowan Depot <laughs> whenever I look at it. And I always read it like that in my head, even though I know it's not how you say it. It's, um, it's very sci-fi. It sounds like the bad guys in like a sci-fi movie. The, the, Iowans, the, I- the Iowan Empire. The Iowan Empire. I mean, it just, it just sounds like Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> these corn people <laughs> attack of the corn people from the iowan empire um <laughs> so any for, in <laughs> god uh anyways so iowan uh the iowan empire so, so the uh <laughs> the park vectors in the iowan empire uh were the eighth worst in terms of home runs in the league over the past three years while american family field aka uh the am ham fam clam <laughs> was the seventh best uh that's a decent step up obviously and if he has gotten a bit stronger as he stated in interviews so far this off season after he signed with the brewers there could be a reasonable thought that he's able to reach 15 plus home runs barring any injury hiccups and ensuring that he actually does get the playing time that he's projected to get which is around like 500 ish plate appearances um Despite his early success in spring training and the clear path to playing time, I haven't seen a lot of Brian Anderson hype in most of the circles that I run in. I don't really hear that many people talking about him. And that's kind of obviously reflected by the fact that he has a 481 ADP right now. I think he's an incredibly good value that should be hard to ignore based on the number of at bats that he's likely to accrue. Like that alone provides so, so, so much value. So I'm absolutely in at this price. And I think I actually did. If I remember correctly, I think I got him with one of my last picks in TGFBI, and I'm trying to find my team. And yes, he is on my bench.
2: I used to love Brian Anderson in my NL only league. He was just a fixture on my team as like a $1 guy at the end of the draft. And he's one of those guys uh, I, that I like to call a glue guy. You know, he's not going to win you a league. But when he's right, and uh, I think he can, I don't see any reason why he can't get right. Like, he's just going to fill in the gaps. He's going to get you counting stats. He's going to, you know, put a decent number of balls over the fence. And he's going to hit above league average.
1: Fun fact like, for uh, all the listeners out there. They actually used to call Shrub's glue guy in elementary school because he, he, he ate a lot of it. I
2: wasn't sure what direction you were going to go with that. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. <laughs> is it?
3: It is. I
1: promise. You don't uh, know me. I don't know what, my, what I've been through. Uh, the reason I eat so much Clue is because my life is falling apart. I thought I would it would fix it.
2: I was a very melodramatic elementary school
1: kid. Just trying to hold it together. <laughs> With Clue, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it for our Deep Dives. Um, Schwabzi, we had some other honorable mentions that we kind of wanted to poke through here at the end of the episode um how do you so i there, there's a few guys here that i thought were pretty good in terms of like being multi-position eligible there's a few more that you that we added down further down the list that we can cover too um but the four that i put down right away were uh isak paredes uh christian bethencourt both of which we have talked about both of which are tampa bay rays uh wilmer flores is in there too and then also joey wendell um, so do you want to talk about Isak Paredes? He just had like three RBIs today in the WB, WBC game between Mexico and Puerto Rico.
2: Yeah, no, major bonus points for making Yadier Molina cry. I I love that for him. I love that for me. But, is, that, is that like a
1: six uh, by six Roto category?
2: <laughs> Yadier Molina, Molina tears. tears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I mean, if you listen to the middle infielder episode, you know that I am very big on Paredes this year. Very, I, I think he's one of the better power bat, bets for middle infielders. And, you know, we're talking about him now. So he's got the, he's multi positional eligible, which we love. It's super important in deep leagues to be able to, you know, have coverage when your guys get hurt and to have coverage with actual cromulent quality bats. You know, you don't want to be scrounging on the waiver wire for like, you know, I don't know, Owen Miller when your, uh, when you, when your Vlad Guerrero jr. Goes down or whatever. Um, so yeah, I like Karedez. I think he's going to hit a bunch of home runs this year if, if given the opportunity. And yeah, you know, as, as I said on the, that previous episode, I think he deserves the opportunity. He's, I, I don't know what else he can do. Hits a bunch of home runs, plays great defense, should have the opportunity.
1: Love that. Yeah. Uh, obviously I put down Christian Bethencourt here too. Talked about him previously. Uh, He's a much more attractive option if you need a second catcher than he is being a corner infielder because there's much better players that you can put there, if I'm being completely honest. Even past yeah. pick 307, which is what his ADP is. The reason that his ADP is there is because of the catcher eligibility, right? Like, Pretty much. Uh, NFBC leagues are two catcher leagues exclusively, so knowing that, that's why his ADP is what it is. It's not going to be like that everywhere. It's going to be much lower in single catcher leagues. Um, but... I still think that he's worth mentioning here. The pop is definitely something that's worth noting. Um, the average isn't going to be good, probably. But uh, that added an extra bit of pop out of the catcher slot. Specifically, the second catcher slot uh, is valuable in and of itself. Uh,
2: Wilmer Flores. Don't talk, about, don't talk about Betancourt too much, because God knows we're going to need players to talk about next week in the catchers and relievers episode.
1: Oh, God, I forgot about that
2: that Betancourt is almost guaranteed to be one of the catchers we talk about next week because Wait, have I not talked folks, about him
1: this offseason? I
2: don't I uh, maybe in a, like a not in the position preview episodes but oh yeah. that's
1: what it was yep I the, think it was like episode
3: oh no no but ca- catcher
2: ca- catcher after 300 is grim this year folks very
1: grim quite yes um let's see here and to make sure i click back to the right part of the notes. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh Wilmer Flores. Do you have any feelings on Wilmer Flores? I mean, i do like the fact that he is first, second and third base eligible. Uh players like this that are triple position eligible, this late in drafts are always like interesting to me in one way or another. Um i don't know what his playing time situation looks like. I feel like he's going to be playing fairly regularly. He might be Oh, they actually have him as a weak, uh, weak side platoon bat right now, uh, probably trading with uh, Lamont Wade Jr. I don't know where he's going to bat in that lineup when he does play.
2: Well, I mean, the way I feel about Wilmer Flores is he's basically what you're hoping Brian Anderson will be. It's just Brian Anderson is going like 150 picks later. True. Right? He's, he puts up a good batting average. He's in there most days. He, he, he'll get you, you know, 100 30 140 uh runs an rbi he's not great uh i mean i i used him as the comparison with brandon belt not because he's bad just because we kind of know what we're going to get from him and it's not super exciting which doesn't mean it's not useful
1: true uh right literally going like a single pick later we have joey wendell who's got second third and shortstop eligibility uh remember when joey wendell was
2: very briefly like the the mascot of the podcast
1: it was like the the aughts of our episodes, like the like the very first few, I feel like is when he was relevant. And he's still like a strong side platoon bat. He's going to get probably 450 plus plate appearances for uh, Miami. I I still question having a darn near 33 year old guy who hasn't necessarily been like a full time shortstop being your essentially full time shortstop uh, in Miami. I'm very, I'm very much questioning that just like that entire defensive, uh, alignment down in Miami, but, uh, for fantasy purposes,
2: Uh, the Iowan empire, not, not really doing great at the whole team
1: construction thing at the moment. Too busy making crop circles. I don't know. supposed to be a corn joke of some sort. I don't know where I went with that. It's corny. Uh, (laughs) God, uh, I mean,
2: honestly, it's appropriate that Wendell is going right next to Wilmer Flores because he's going to give you pretty much the same thing, just trade like ten home runs for ten stolen bases.
3: Yeah, I guess that yeah, that's that's not a bad way
1: to put it at all. Maybe, maybe trade
2: like some maybe trade some RBIs for runs too, you know?
1: There you go. I can dig that. Uh yeah, so depending on needs, like you go with one or the other right there. Seems good. Uh so Spencer Steer, I really actually don't know a whole lot about, but I will say this is a good opportunity to pitch the episode of on the wire that we are going to be on. I don't know if it really—I think it releases Sunday, if I'm I not mistaken—because no um, it is the, like the Fab show on the network um, with a uh, host Adam Howe and Kevin Hastings. Unfortunately, won't be able to be there with us, but uh, joined by Adam Howe, and then we're going to be joined also by. The boys from Keeper Cut, uh, Pete Ball, and Chad Young doing a post-350 draft. So we all drafted teams of six players, I think it was, right? Something oh, it was like more that. Than, I think it was oh, more eight, than that. It's eight players. That's what it is. Um, covering different positions for post-350 picks. So obviously there's going to be a little bit of crossover from the content from this show, but some other names, including Spencer Steer, who I believe Adam Howe took, so you'll be able to hear him talk about Spencer Steer on that episode of On the War, which should be releasing on Sunday. Um, Dude,
2: Pete Ball, Pete Ball stole Brett Beatty from me. He sniped me a pick before I was, was gonna so, go, and he's so he's dead to me. He's dead to me.
1: Dead to me. Well, I,
2: I'm so, gonna tell. I'm gonna say that to him like at least a dozen
1: times they, when we I'm tomorrow. I'm literally going in to see. There was like for, considering it's a post 350 draft. I mean, we're all pretty sharp people, I would say. Um, I'm um, trying to figure out how many other times for people yourself. Okay, yes, we are, the, we are the himbos of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I do understand that. Oh, what's very funny is I was able to snipe Adam Howe on Addison Barger.
3: He should have known. You did a write-up on him, or a uh, deep dive on him. I did do that. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if there are any... Oh, uh, Garrett Clevenger. With the other one I was kind of annoyed by
1: as a reliever.
2: But Oh yeah, I know you're big on him. Yeah. Big weighted earn strikes guy. Really fun reliever Correct. in general. Um but yeah, I mean, we uh, someone someone did draft Spencer Steer in that draft, and I I don't know how to feel about him. I'm I'm honestly in the same boat as you. I didn't pay much attention to him last year, and when I looked at him this year, I wasn't super impressed by what I saw from his cup of coffee. No. Uh, it's like i i he might he you know he might be fine and get elevated from fine to good by his ballpark but it's just it's not an exciting profile from what i'm seeing
3: yeah
1: not particularly excited about spencer steer personally but uh ballpark good That's all i can really say about that um <laughs>
3: I mean, uh,
2: you know, his prospect reports show a, a good hit tool and average power. And, you know, the, the hope is that, that pl- the, the good hit tool, you know, and th- the, the hit tool remains and then the power plays up because of the ballpark. That, that's what you're hoping for with him. He's not going to get you a lot of steals. Uh, I mean, he hasn't hit for a super high average in the minors.
3: I'm just, I'm just not excited by this. Maybe if he was a second baseman. Same. Man, I don't know.
1: But no, wait, if he if he's the second baseman you said? Yeah. What about Jonathan India?
2: I'm I'm just saying maybe if he was a second baseman, oh, I'd be was more a second baseman, not
1: the second okay, gotcha, you, gotcha. You. Okay. That makes much more sense. I was so confused. <laughs> um but yeah, and then I'm trying to think so I put down Rodolfo Castro here, which is kind of just like a really big shrug
3: for me. Um Switch hitting second baseman for the Pirates. I mean... Double-digit home runs is, like, not completely
1: out of the question. The average is going to be bad.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is, like, desperation power play. Yeah. This is, like, this is, like, Isak Paredes, but without any of the positives. Other than power.
1: Yeah, and then just, like, not the best home ballpark for home runs or anything like that. Um, yeah, not particularly excited. Matt Mervis?
2: I mean, I, wasn't it fun when Matt Mervis was like the talk of the fantasy world for like two weeks back it in January? He was so January?
1: hot. It was... Uh, Mur- uh, Mervis
2: is so hot right now. I,
1: I, I, was, I was going... The fantasy baseball was going full Mugatu over, over but Matt Mervis.
2: My, my only thinking on Mervis is that if your team goes out of their way to block you with Eric Hosmer, they probably don't want you to play that much
1: yeah they cannot be very confident
2: I that because I mean you know I'm I'm sure there's stuff going on in major league clubhouses where they 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 view Hosmer as a valuable veteran to have around but from a sheer production standpoint he is bringing almost nothing to the table so as soon as that happened my interest in Matt Mervis for 2023 just went down to zero yeah. I'm much more interested in Edwin Rios who is currently there uh, in that DH spot according to the roster resource.
1: Rios Actually, is where is Edwin be...
2: Rios going? Cuz we we didn't talk about him at all and I like Edwin Rios.
1: Uh Rios is let me take a peek. I thought I put him on the list but maybe I didn't. Um he might only be DH eligible, I think. I, I think you're right. Is that I think that's not showing up I think on my that's list. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't play so, the last year. So, yeah.
2: Folks, if Edwin Rios is getting regular Folks played appearances folks uh you you know add him i i'm i'm a really big fan of edwin rios i i think he's i i like him to be like a the good version of like patrick wisdom with like a, a batting uh, like a batting average that's not going to like be completely abysmal but also plenty of dingers
1: yeah um yeah at this point i feel like just like the cubs their view on matt mervis is that um What's the best way to say this? Oh, much like uh, the food in the Schwebzi household, he just needs a little bit more seasoning.
2: This is This is so toxic. I'm eating chili-spiced mangoes as we speak. Well, not as we speak, but before this podcast, I was eating chili-spiced mangoes. The hottest of peppers, I'll have you know. The hot...
1: What? What are you talking about? <laughs> The hottest of peppers.
2: Wait, they make they make peppers hotter than chilies. Oh dear God! Don't tell Sperry.
1: D- I want to forget about this. <laughs> I don't want to know that this. Ha- I don't want. To, I don't. I, I. I wish I could wipe this from my memory. I
2: don't. <laughs> I hate I, this. Look, my
1: pe- season your My food.
2: friends, my friends are making fun of me and my spice tolerance. I like spicy food. I don't understand it. I love hot sauce.
1: He loves buffalo Tar- wings. <laughs>
2: I like, I like Frank's Red Hot.
1: Uh, no, I don't know what my friends are talking about. I love spice. I use pink Himalayan sea salt on all my dishes. I use black pepper, you know? The, hot, uh, the other hottest of peppers. My mother cannot stand black pepper. She thinks it's so spicy. I come from the <laughs> whitest of families. It's so And you make so fun absurd. of me.
2: You make fun of me. I'm, all right. Uh, honorable mentions, Jordan. Honorable mentions.
1: Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> uh do you have any opinions on Harold Ramirez
2: yes I really like him as like the discount uh discount Luis Arias
1: that's such a sentence
2: (laughs) oh my god look look there are people who really like Luis Arias and sometimes you're in a draft and you're like man I really need batting average but like later in the draft there are no batting average guys except for Harold Ramirez because everything else is so boring dude people like Oscar Gonzalez a lot right Yes. Harold Ramirez is Oscar Gonzalez. Is he? Basically. A little less power, maybe.
1: I mean, that's, that's the thing, though. Is like You're going to get probably like five a to ten more little, home runs out of Oscar Gonzalez. A little
2: less power. Yeah, that's it. And How many spots higher is he going? Like 200? I don't know if it's that much, is it? Really? I'm, I'm just saying. I, I like Harold Ramirez a lot more than... I, it's one of those things. It's like the Rays' whole thing... Is they take players who do a certain thing well and actually like utilize that thing instead of like trying to make them into someone they're not. They optimize. Right. They optimize. And they're they're appreciative of unique skill sets. And Howard Rivera has a a a unique skill set and is better than people give him credit for. He's another guy, and again, you know, we're we're talking deep leagues here. I love him in my AL only league. I I make I, I definitely have rostered him several times over the last couple of years in
3: my only leagues. I don't know. I think for, like, so I'm looking <laughs> at projections right now,
1: 10 more home runs out of a, out of a bat. That's only going to give you five fewer points of batting average. I think is worth a decent amount more. Uh, with, and talking about Oscar Gonzalez compared to Harold Ramirez. I, I hear you. I, I, I do I, hear you. I,
2: I also don't totally buy the power of Oscar Gonzalez. So that's, that's the other thing in, in that particular comparison. Fair enough. All right. Uh, um, what about uh,
3: Jamer Candelario?
2: Um, this is an opportunity thing. That's yeah. Uh, Roster Resource has him hitting cleanup for the Nationals. And we've said things like this before. It's hard to be a cleanup hitter for a team. Every day and not have some sort of value. I don't think Heimer Candelario is the best hitter, but I think he has a nice role. And that alone is, you know, that's worth a corner infield spot.
1: It's better than batting in Detroit, too. So,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, what is it? Nationals Ballpark? Nationals Park? Nationals Park, I
4: believe.
3: Yeah. Much nicer place to hit than Comerica, even with their moved in fences. You know, lots of teams moved their fences
2: in this year. I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if, like, all the projections and whatnot that we have are, like, fully taking that into consideration. I know the, the, it's very smart people making those uh, projections, but I'm, I'm wondering if we see some surprising things out of ballparks like Toronto and Comerica.
3: New York. Yeah. I don't know. Brandon Nimmo, 20 home runs. <laughs> Only if he can walk. Sorry, sprint oh. after he walks oh. to first base. Oh, um, that's
2: mean. That's mean.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, all right. Who else do we have here? Uh, Shella. Some of that I brought up uh, while well, I was talking about Jared Walsh a little bit. I don't think he's gonna threaten for like that much playing time.
2: Yeah. I mean, he. I, I think he needs a lot of playing time to be an impact person, and I don't think he's going to get that. That. That's kind of where it ends with him. Like he's fine.
1: Looking at roster resource, they do have him as a weak side platoon bat with Walsh.
2: If you swapped him and Heimer Candelaria, like in their role, I'd be very interested in Gio Urshela. But mm. yeah, <laughs> it's it's purely a role thing for him. I he, I don't think he has much of one or enough of one to be relevant in all but the deepest of the leagues.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what about Arias?
2: I mean, has he been pushed out of his job with he, Gunnar Henderson being around? He's
1: got a very because sh- mm.
2: we have a history here. We we we've talked up Ramon Arias a lot in the past, and that was really good for us at times last year as he had a pretty strong second half.
1: I think that or he's at least a
2: like June July ish.
1: If I'm not mistaken, he's a platoon guy.
2: And I can't the short remember side
1: with who? Well, yeah, because he's a, he's a righty. Um, I can't remember with who. Who did they sign? Look, he's he's better than
2: Adam Frazier. I feel pretty confident That's saying that works. Ramon Urias is better than Adam Frazier. It's infuriating
3: that the Orioles, a, a franchise on the rise, signed Adam Fraser. That's just, ugh. Poor Alex Fast.
1: It's an interesting signing to help, like, quote-unquote, put your team over the top. I don't particularly it's understand like, that one spending your money there th- but veteran presence baby sure <laughs> um speaking of veteran presence uh Josh Donaldson at pick 470 like he's still good defensively but <sighs> i mean th- this one
2: this comes down to one thing do you think he's washed
1: yeah i do i kind of i, I kind of do too Let,
2: let's
4: move on
1: <laughs> okay that's an easy one for us uh Hunter Dozier yeah. Can, can you rattle off the stat that you threw at me before about Hunter Dozier? Oh, God,
2: yeah. Over his last 1,000... and um, This is off the top of my head, too. Over the last 1,050 played appearances, he has negative 2 War.
1: Just, just don't.
2: Which, you know, War is not a fantasy stat, but it does mean that he's probably not a very good baseball player. And the Royals are not a very good baseball team, so he might get playing time anyway, because they have some sort of infatuation with Hunter Dozier year after year. Uh, you know, if Dozier winds up playing a lot and hits between fourth and sixth, then he's going to fall into that same Heimer-Candelario category where I'm interested in him just because he's playing all the time and in a good spot. But, you know, if he's hitting eighth or ninth and getting a day or two off a week, then
1: I'm not interested in him at all. Yeah, I'm probably just, I mean, the one, the one nice thing that I will say about dozier is that he has first third and outfield eligibility which helps his stock a little bit from a fantasy standpoint uh there's a lot that needs to happen for me to want to actually actively roster hunter dozier though i just don't think i can do it
4: yeah park like is if i rostering
2: him something's gone wrong
1: yeah park is bad i don't think the bat's very good although
2: you know what roster resource has him not in a platoon hitting fifth so after what i just said i kind of have to find him a little bit interesting mm. God, and he's
1: almost thirty, and he's almost thirty-two. He's not even young anymore. If you had asked me how old the Hunter Dozier was, I would have said like twenty-eight.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he got a late start. He's a late bloomer. He did well. No, he debuted in two thousand sixteen. Solid seven years ago.
1: My mom said that about me too. Anyways, that you debuted in two thousand sixteen? No, that was a late bloomer.
3: Nah. anyways. Really excited for you to bloom someday. Love when people that was, bloom. We'll love that, people, a short, we'll, that was a short joke. Oh. Thanks. Short king. We're at that right we're here. at
2: that point. We're we're an hour we're an hour five, ten minutes into this thing. So Are we actually? We're, we're getting feisty.
1: Oh god. We've dragged this out for so long. Okay. Uh, let's roll <laughs> through right. these last like five names real fast. So Lamont Wade Jr., who I almost talked about, swing the shoes. Oh, whoa, to whoa. Su-
2: don't don't skip over my guy. Don't skip over my
1: guy. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Go ahead. Carlos Santana. Have uh, you tried his champagne? Santana DVX. It's a Lonely what, Island where, reference for the few people who know what the hell I'm talking about. I I just, I, watching
2: Carlos Santana, I just I find his playstyle very smooth. You know. So, Car-
0: <laughs> this
2: that's a Rob also, Thomas joke. So if you if you just
3: like it- your shot
1: <laughs>
2: This is the
1: moon.
2: Carlos Santana is 36. So he's, you know, he's on the downswing of his career. But if you look at his like Savant profile, you would not think so. He was one of the unluckiest players in baseball last year. Like as far as results versus, you know, his X stats. And yeah, his new ballpark isn't great, but his previous ballpark wasn't great either. So it's not like he's, you know, getting worse. I, I, the numbers say that he should be better than he is. And, you know, when you're this late in the draft, you know, when you're in a deep league draft, like TGFBI or, you know, an AL only or an NL only, you'll like, at least me, I will, I will look at the draft board and go, I want this guy and I hope he's there two rounds later. And that guy is never there two rounds later. Carlos Santana is always there two rounds later. I don't know if that's a bad thing for him or a good thing for him, but he's like i I think he's a lot better than he's getting credit for. He's a respected veteran and better than respected veterans like Adam Frazier and Eric Hosmer, so he will actually get you stats instead of just being a pure anchor in your lineup. The one thing you have to worry about is batting average obP leagues he gets a big big boost i I just I can't shake that Carlos Santana is about to have a like a nice solid bounce back year, and just be and everyone's going to be like, "Wow, why were we drafting him at like 450 or wherever
1: he is?" Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Santana, really, honestly, at the end of the day, like, we can talk about him like having like improvements now that the shift is banned, but honestly, like, for me, you got to make it real or else forget about it. Um, I know a lot of guys go to drive line in the off season. I'm so done with you. But for, 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 according to my sources, uh, he went to see a Black Magic woman to help him. Um,
2: are you just over here like Googling Carlos Santana? No, I'm not. <laughs> those are off
1: the top of my head. I don't, I don't have something. Those are like the only two I know. The only reason I know any Santana songs is due to the fact that I, one, <laughs> have listened to Smooth before, two. I played a lot of, I think it was Guitar Hero. Uh, what's the one, wasn't there one he did
2: with like Avril Lavigne or someone like that? I'm sorry, what? Oh, there was there was a song he did with like Avril Levine or like some, someone like her. Oh, I'm gonna blank up. Maybe it was like Vanessa Branch or Vanessa Carlton or something. Michelle Branch or Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna have to look this up after we're done recording so I can listen to that. But
2: Oh, that's gonna bother me.
1: Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay, moving on. Lamont Way Jr. Swing decisions are really good. Thanks to uh the Bloomboards uh for that. But his barreled balls haven't resulted in, in as many positive outcomes as one might think. Also, thank you to Bloomboards for that. Um, the same bloom Board. Yes, the exact same Bloomboards that I had mentioned previously. Um, We've only ever seen one,
2: and it was a good one. Yes,
1: exactly. Uh, but yeah, Ryan Bloomfield doing the Bloomboards. Always an excellent, fun little tidbit of knowledge that you can find on your Twitter feed. So if you don't follow Ryan, you should follow him. Those are always excellent to see. Um, I don't know, man. He's not looked good so far in spring training. I wanna like him. He still is slated to be like a strong side platoon bat in the leadoff spot for San Francisco. Being in the leadoff spot will carry value, but he needs to be able to get on base for it to really pay off. So I don't know. I'm for right now, I'm out. Um
2: You're just like a couple home runs from being way back in though. Got you. Oh I I'm I'm
1: I'm gonna be back in so fast. <laughs> I'm going to get whiplash from how quickly I'm back in. Uh, next is Jake Berger, which is the name that you added. Jake Berger, uh, do you want to— I am to...
2: so—I'm so in on Jake Berger the second I find out he's getting regular plate appearances. Strictly—this is kind of the same reason that I'm in on Paredes, because there aren't too many, like, very clear power threats, like late, yeah. in, like, late in ADP or just out there on the waiver wire. Berger might not be the best hitter but he will hit some home runs when he plays. He's got fantastic raw power. It translates to games, strikes out a lot,
3: but he will hit those dongs when he's in there. Love that. Um, what was his, what, you you mentioned
1: while we were prepping that he had some pretty sick exit velos, right?
2: Oh yeah, he's he's touched 115 uh miles per hour in his career for max exit VLO, which is you know Good
3: kind God. of rarefied air not a lot of guys can hit that uh that max he's got that dad strength he's a dad now it only makes
1: sense uh all right christian christian and on strand sorry about that um seems like he's pushing up draft boards a little bit but obviously not too much being at 557 this is like like the very very but end of best ball drafts essentially is where you're seeing him um i'm i'm Dude,
2: i'm out he right now but he's been great he killed it in spring training this year he exceeded you know every expectation possible in spring training which kind of has to have accelerated his timeline at least a little bit unless i guess he completely falls on his face once the minor league season starts i don't know i the reds are kind of terrible so they've really got nothing to lose like just for as a plea from a fan bring us Encarnacion Strand and Ellie De La Cruz you cowards
3: give us what we want do it do it now speaking of what Schwebzy wants uh Luke Voigt at 566 free Luke Voigt same thing just you know
2: I, I spent a good bit of time while we were prepping for this episode, like just looking around at every team's roster, trying to figure out like where Voigt could go. That would actually be interesting and like get him a lot of playing time. And there really aren't that many places. I, ki- I kind of still, I just wish he would go to like Colorado. Like right now, Colorado has Mike Mustakas penciled in as their third baseman. Ellie Harris, Monte- uh, oh God, I'm blanking on his last name. Montero? Montero? Elahiris Montero,
1: is that it? Elahiris Montero, yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, penciled in as the DH. Like, why can't, why can't they just get Luke Boyd? Why do they have to get Mike Moustakis? Come on, Colorado. It would be so fun to see Luke Boyd hit some dingers in, in, the, in that thin Colorado air. It would be pretty great.
1: Uh, he still is with the Brewers, technically.
2: Yeah, they have a weird roster situation going on, don't they? I
1: don't know what's going to happen. He's like Luke, like Luke Void is making it very very hard. Oh yeah, um, he's 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 kind of killing it in spring training. Outside of like Mike Brasso, who's been surprisingly like very very good too, and someone I'm going to talk about next, um and Brian Anderson, he's been the most impactful bat for the Brewers in spring training. Like he's looked like very very good. Um so he's making it as difficult for the Brewers as possible to cut him right now. I don't know what's going to happen. Um but yeah, the Brewers going to have a bit of a roster crunch here. They got a lot of guys that are somewhat enticing. So,
2: we'll see. Yeah, the fact the fact that like Terang Owen Miller, Mike Brasso, Luke Voigt, and Brian Anderson are all having killer spring trainings is going to make some decisions over there pretty tough. Well, Terang
1: is probably like I mean, he is from like a because he's also from a def- defensive standpoint, just like the most attractive person, right? Like he mm-hmm. has got incredible range, can play second base or shortstop, has been taking reps in the outfield to potentially take reps out there too throughout the season. Um, it doesn't it worry you at all that Owen Miller has been getting center field
2: reps.
3: Not really. No.
2: Does doesn't doesn't jeopardize Garrett Mitchell's
3: uh plate appearances? Nope. Not at all. Not for me. feel Like you want to add something? No, no, no. I, f- folks at home, Jordan is so
2: in on Garrett Mitchell this year. I really am. I've I, been I giving have, him a lot of guff about it.
1: I have, I have convinced myself, obviously, like him having that little hamstring issue hurts, but um, there's no one in that organization who can play center field defense like Garrett Mitchell can, so that's going to secure him playing time as is, and yeah, the offensive upside true. is a hundred percent there like that's the thing like his defense is nuts his his arm is amazing yeah like i'm gonna be one thing i will
2: one nice thing i will say about garrett mitchell is that his like his 90th percentile outcome is like
1: stupid good it is it's very very good he's like a i mean i guess 90th percentile outcome is like well like 15 30 yeah something stupid like that yeah which i can absolutely take uh Last person that I want to talk about here, real quick, is Mike Brasso. Kind of like I
3: just said, uh, it's this is mostly stat sheet scouting. He's the, probably the second most impactful
1: Brewer this spring, over or next to Anderson. Uh, he's got four homers so far this spring, and he's pre, but he is pretty much strictly a platoon guy. So this is like really only a daily league only recommendation. But he can play defense at multiple positions as well. And will likely have eligibility at multiple of those by season's end. So I don't mind Brasso, and at, he's going at pick seven forty. He's not getting taken in a thirty round, fifteen team league. Not even close. Um, might be might be a good best ball guy. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, if your drafts are de- like if you're doing like what would it be like a fifteen team fifty round? Doesn't that come out to seven fifty for picks?
2: Dude, I love deep leagues, and you could not pay me to be in a a league that deep.
1: I would try it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Brasso in like the deepest of deepest of deep, like daily leagues or like a best ball league, I could see taking Brasso. Like he does have a ton of pop. Um, it's just the number of plate appearances are going to be limited. So, yeah, I, I will it's...
2: always, I will always love Mike Brasso for hitting that huge playoff dinger off over all this chapman. I'll never forget that. It was so good. So good. Ugh.
1: All right. Shwebsey I think that's the end of our corner infield talk for this week. We did it. We got through it. We made it. We did it. Yay. I was actually a little bit concerned, uh, which I don't know why I ever am at this point, because we always go long. (laughs) I was like, do we have enough for an hour? I don't know. Every every time I have ever looked at the clock
2: and gone, man, we're only at a half an hour. Are we gonna be good here? 45 we, minutes later i'm like oh yeah
1: yeah <laughs> we were good we we zoom right past it literally every single time but oh, that's all right um but yeah thanks y'all for joining us on another episode of in the deep we appreciate it uh if you like the podcast be sure to like and subscribe and also leave a review on your podcast platform of choice you can also follow us on twitter at in the deep pl you can also follow us individually on twitter at schwebzy for schwebzy that's s-h-w-e-b-s-i and then myself at Bunt Singles, and we will be back next week for our... I, wait, is it our final preseason preview?
2: Well, we, so we have the uh, Catcher and Relief Pitcher episode coming up next yes. week, and that is going to be our final position preview. And then we have one episode coming up on, I believe it's April 1st, which is going to be kind of a, a weird episode because it's going to be right when the season starts, and I don't really know what we're going to talk about yet. Maybe it's going to be a bold prediction episode something fun because we're just not really going to have anything to talk about at that point in the season.
1: Yeah. So if you have any recommendations for that episode, feel free to shoot them at us. Mailbag, mailbag episode. Or yeah, you can just send us, Oh yeah. Send do, in your mailbag questions. Do I have the mailbag tweet still pinned? I used to have a tweet pinned on the, in the deep Twitter account, and I'm not sure if it's still there anymore. So i will we'll get it back look. up there if it's not. Uh, but yeah, if you go to that pinned tweet, you should be able to send us. I do still have it pinned. Sweet. Uh, so yeah, if you want to have us answer questions for you for a mailbag episode or anything like that, feel free to submit any questions through that form, just a Google form, or you can email them to us at dpl at gmail.com. But yeah, we'll check you all next week and Schwebzee, send them out. Bye friends.